This is a podcast by The Straits Times. After two and a half years, it's time once again for Southeast Asia's best athletes to come together and compete for regional dominance. Yes, the SEA Games is upon us and joining me, Straits Times sports correspondent Azali Abdulaziz, on this episode of ST Sports Talk is Team Singapore flag bearer Sheikh Fahan. Pencak Silat exponent Fahan talks about the honour of leading the Singapore contingent at the May 12-23 Hanoi Games, his past experiences at the biennial competition and growing up with a sporting icon as his dad. Okay, so hello Fahan and thank you for taking the time out of your preparations for the SEA Games to, to talk to us. Hi Thank you for having me. So, obviously, you are the flag bearer for Team Singapore at the upcoming SEA Games uh, in Hanoi. Can you just share how did you learn, uh, you know, of this news and, you know, when? I think it was about, I think a week or two ago, uh, my dad was calling me about, he asked me to call him and I was training at that point of time. So, uh, I didn't really know what he wanted to talk about. So, when he called and he said, oh, he, uh, they want you to be uh, the flag bearer. I didn't think that that was the news at all. So, it was quite surprising. But a pleasant surprise. Like, it's a nice like honour to be chosen to uh, bear the flag for Singapore. Yeah, did, did that ever cross your mind at all? I mean, like you say, it is an honour. Uh, how did it make you feel, you know, wow, you, you've been selected out of, you know, how many ever hundred athletes that we're sending to Hanoi, you know, to, to, to actually carry the flag uh, over there? No, I didn't even think that I would be chosen at all. Like, I, I wasn't even thinking about, oh, who's going to be, is there a chance I will be the flag bearer or what? I was just, was just thinking about like, at most, if we are going this uh, opening ceremony, I'll be at the back with the rest of the contingent. I didn't think I'll be the one like actually holding the flag. So so what does competing at the SEA Games uh, mean to you? Like? Is, is there any difference about the SEA Games compared to you know other competitions like Southeast Asian Championships or Asian Championships or even World Championships? I think the difference is like you're going there with like the whole contingent is much different than going there with just like my teammate. Like even like the first well, like flying off, like you'll see another group of from other sports going also. And we're all wearing the same uniform. Uh, when we are competing at the different different halls, you see every Singaporean athlete wearing the same like uniform. Also, the polo tee. When you go back to the hotel, you see athletes from other. There's a different feel. Like you feel like as if like the whole country go is going to another country with you. Whereas like if I'm competing world championship or Asian champ overseas, it's like oh, I'm going there with my team. But Sea Games is like, I'm going there with my country. Ah, okay. That's that's a good way to put it. Uh, you, you've competed twice uh, at the Sea Games, right? I think 2015, you were in the 80 to 85 kg category. Two years later, you were at the 90 to 95 kg category where you won gold. Uh, 2019, didn't have your weight category. So, what weight class are, are you competing in in Hanoi? Are you defending your 2017 goal or different weight class? Yes, I'll be defending my 2017 goal. Actually, I've been playing this weight class for as long as I've been in the senior team. It's just for the first SEA Games, was, I was, uh, there wasn't my weight class also. I was a replacement for uh, Shake who got injured in preparation. So yeah, that's why I... Like in 2019, there was, wasn't any like weight class even close to my weight. So I couldn't even like drop or drop any... It's like 20 plus like, kilos difference, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like totally way beyond that already. So it's exciting like, to have it uh, back in, to compete in it. So like I mentioned, you won uh, gold in the 2017 SEA Games in Kuala Lumpur. Can you share what it was like? You, you defeated a Malaysian uh, in the final, right? I mean, 
did you feel like you know the crowd was against me you know i i it's it's me against the world in the final or or you know how how did you approach it and what was the atmosphere like you know were, were, were the fans really loud and and really behind their guy honestly like when i'm competing i tend to like tune that out like i don't really hear like i even don't even hear like my teammates cheering for me so it's total like focus on the opponent and what i want to do everything else seems like noise whether it's coming from one side or the other i think the only time where i'll see how the crowd responds to uh, us is when i'm looking at my teammates or seeing another fight then that's when i realize like oh this is how the crowd is uh, but during the fight itself like i didn't really hear anything Even after that, like moments after that, just a lot of noise and just thinking like winning and like just looking at my uh, brother, my father, my teammates, and you're just focused on winning. Like everything else just seems like noise to me. So when when you are approaching a competition or like you know a sea games like this coming on, do you sort of like look at? Oh, you know who who I might face and stuff like that because I'm thinking you're in Vietnam. Vietnam obviously one of the stronger nations in Silat also. There's a chance you might have to face another hometown fighter, you know, if you get all the way to the final. You know, do do you think about things like that, like you know, uh, visualization? You know, how far you can go, who you might face, or or do you really just, you know, it's it's a cliche, but do you really like take it one step at a time? I don't really think of my opponents at all, lah. To be honest, whenever I'm training, I'm more focused on like the techniques that I want to do, the tactics that I want to do. So it's not. Like I'm thinking, oh maybe I fight this guy. Okay, maybe I fight this guy. The whether this guy is coming or not is more. I think that part is usually my coach that handles that. Like he's the one that is more concerned on that end. So only the only time like I actually think about the opponent is when either we're doing like a fight simulation or during the competition itself when you see the ballot and you know who's your next uh fight. So that's when you. Decide like what to do and what to look out for. So I don't really see like a point to like think like who's coming down or what because at the end of the day you might not even fight that person because of the ladder. So yeah, focus on the whatever that is like sure lah, like, which is when the ballot comes out. So this Sea Games in Hanoi will feature a new rule set for for Sea. Like we say new, it's it's been over a year, but you know because it was passed during the pandemic, you know you haven't really had a lot of practical experience uh, or, or rather competition experience with the rule set. From an athlete's point of view, can you share like you know what the main differences are from from this current one to the old rule set? And basically, can you share how have you adapted to it? You know, are are you struggling or or, or does it suit you better? Basically, the new rules is is like you basically can pull like last time. Maybe when you're doing a dropping technique and the opponent pulls you, he'll get a warning. But now they can pull, and now you can even pull your opponent down. So it's not just uh, using your legs. Uh, you can use your hands. Other than that, I think it's uh, you can elbow, you can knee, but uh, you don't really see much of that in the new rules. Of course, lesser juries, a uh, different way of uh, scoring system. It's I think it's better because like you need two juries to see your kick or enter your kick, and then then the point gets entered. So there's no more like one jury giving like this phantom point here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So you won't see like an outlier, or maybe sometimes two. Like usually, it's like or oh, one, one jury bias on one side. Like it's pretty obvious. So this one like kind of balances it out. So I think that was the best and biggest change in terms of fairness. I think there are a couple of like small small rule changes, but doesn't really affect the gameplay or doesn't affect my gameplay. Yeah. Then in terms of like me adapting to it, I think 
over the past year or since the rules were introduced, uh, the coaching here has been like a bit changed. Like we try to implement the new techniques, uh, but I try to weave out like the things that are not, I would say, useful. Uh. I think it's merely just almost like to say just for sure. Uh, I don't maybe do it at training once, but you won't really try and in- implement it in your like arsenal when you're trying to fight. So especially like during the CTM, I didn't feel like the pulling thing was ready to like is re- like I'm not ready yet to do it and I've seen a lot during the sea championships like how a lot of people fail because when you pull someone down and they don't fall and they're standing the opponent gets the point so I think it's a 50-50 technique you either, you either win or lose so uh, as compared to other techniques that you could do uh, I think at that point of time, it was best to stick to what you know. They tried and tested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now, back to our chat with Penchak Silat Exponent and Team Singapore Flag Bearer for the Hanoi Sea Games, Sheikh Farhan. Next few questions, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it back a bit, you know, the, you know, how you got into the sport and so on. So, when did you get involved in Silat? I mean, I, I know you were born into a Silat family, obviously, with your dad being Sheikh Alauddin. Uh, when did you actually start doing it, uh, you know, I guess, consistently or regularly or, or at a certain level? Uh, what was your first memory in Silat? The first memory is my dad bringing me and my siblings to the club training every Sunday. Jalan Besar CC. So that was, I think I was very young. I don't really remember when it was, but I know that was the first one. And I think when it became consistent was when I was probably six or seven. That's when I entered the national team, the Singa Silat team, like that's what it was called. So that was when like you were training every weekend. And slowly when I was, I think, nine years old, then we joined like the pre-Singapore Sports School program. So you were getting ready to be entered into the sports school team. And that was when like there was constant training every day, uh, Monday to Friday. I think that was like the most, that was when it, everything it started to get consistent. So from there up to secondary school at sports school and then from sports school to the senior team and then until now. Yeah, and, and you were pretty young when you started making your mark at the senior team. Like we mentioned, it was like probably 2015, 14 around there. Yeah, actually everyone gets like taste of like yeah, the senior level. Like younger than I was, I was literally 17. So when you're 17, that's when you are officially a senior. But usually there is some exposure uh, when you're 16 or if you're really good, then maybe 15. So I wasn't actually like a prodigy or anything as compared to like my teammates. That's so why like if you see the competi- senior competitions that I went to, it's not as much as like my brothers or uh, my other teammates. It's much lesser because I started considered quite late. Lah. Yeah, a bit later than them. Yeah. Yeah, so like literally when I was 17, that, that, then that's when I went to the World Championship. So so what was it like uh, growing up with you know, Sheikh as your dad, he's a, you know, in, in Singapore sport, he's, you know, one of those larger than life uh, figures. Eh? Um, is he like that also in, you know, day to day? And, and you know, you were born pretty much after his prime, 19, you, you were born 97, right? So, you know, he was, you know, in the early 90s up to the you know, mid 90s. Um, he was, you know, world champion a couple of times, you know, in the early 90s. Um, and an icon, you know, for Singapore sport. 
uh, and see like how was it like for you you know growing up uh, with him as a dad I think he lives and breathes Sila so sometimes yeah from, I think when I was younger it's it's not so evident he was I guess just like any other dad but it's like after a while it, when the sport becomes more serious then he does talk more about Sila a lot and that this I mean that is his passion lah, so I I get it and I don't think it's any different from any other dad lah. I wouldn't actually know so what a normal dad would look like or what so for me that is normal and like yeah he was he was okay I, was, I don't think there was anything I guess like maybe during training he might be a bit more strict with us because uh, he doesn't want there to seem like there's any bias or what so uh, he got to be extra strict so that that's the reward lah <laughs> uh, like so actually yeah I don't get yeah, I don't get any favoritism I get even worse, so worse treatment because like just in case people think we are being favored, so other people get like normal scolding or you get like extra scolding during training or what. Yeah, maybe that's the only difference. Yeah. Okay, so so we we joked about this before we started recording. You are you know honestly, I think one of the Singapore athletes known for your like your coolness lah. You know like unflustered like you know no matter whatever situation you're in, you know, you might be in a stadium with, with with you know thousands of of loud supporters and and you you step out of the the indoor hall and you look like you know your face is like expressionless lah. You know wh- when did it come to be lah? You know this kind of uh, unflustered demeanor. Ha- have you always been like like this? You know when you were young. Have has there been any situation at all where you were panicky, riding a roller coaster or something? Like, I guess I'm pretty tame. Like, I'm not so like loud or even friendly. Like in general, most people won't think I'm like the approachable. Like, I would say so. Actually, when I I think when I get past secondary school, I was more quiet and that's just me. Like I'm not like trying to like look cool or calm or what. That's just like when I'm walking out towards arena. Like the only thing I'm thinking about is like. What I'm gonna do? What I'm gonna do? What? Uh, just thinking about like my body and everything. Is it everything's ready? So I guess it's just more like being focused and everything. I don't think it. I ever felt like oh, this is how I wanna be now. Even when I was uh, competing at the World Championship when I was seventeen, think that was just the way I was. But I think obviously as I grew older, it became more and more calm. And collected because I feel like I've done it like so many times already. And like the winning that many times also gives you confidence and you're not so like you're not thinking too much about the outcome really because like you're confident in your abilities and like being like having trained at a high level for a long time that helps with like being relaxed and what. So I think being like flustered or panicky doesn't really help the situation at all. Uh. So even when like there's things that you can't do anything about, you should just like for me, I would just try and relax because like whether I'm panicky or relaxed, it doesn't make a difference towards the outcome. So I think that's the kind of approach I get like before the fight. Also. That's that's actually very true, but it's it's much easier said than done. Uh. You know, like panicky or calm, same outcome, but you know, a lot of people struggle to to keep calm. So, you know, you, you, you've practiced Silat for, like you mentioned, you know, since pretty much, I would assume shortly after you could walk, so you were always going to be in Silat. But if you were not a Silat exponent, you know, you're, you're 24, 25, what do you think you would be in? Honestly, whenever I get, whenever I get asked this question, I honestly don't know what to say because I really have no image of what I want to be or what is there beyond Silat because, uh, I think because you're in, involved in a, you already put into a community, a situation since you were born, that is the only thing that you know. 
So I don't really know what I would be like. Even if you were to say, or oh, what other sport, like I don't really think that when I was younger, I would have even got there because of the way I got here is because like, I'm so like in tune. I'm more, I'm already involved in the sport so much. So to say that I'll... But you, you have a, an engineering degree, uh, sorry, an engineering diploma, right? Yeah, the engineering diploma is not, I mean, I have interest in technology and how it changes our day-to-day, but it was never to the point where I feel like, like now I can't even imagine having to go to work like from 8 to 6 so, and then come back home and then go again. Like it's so, like, I just cannot imagine that. So like even to say like, oh, I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like, I just can't imagine myself doing that really. I always see myself as an athlete and yeah, yeah. like, Fortunately, I'm doing it full time now. So yeah, I'm just grateful that that is the way it is. So so you know, last question. You've you've already achieved so much uh, in in Silat and and you know you're you're in your mid twenties. What else do you have? Uh, you know, in terms of you know, ambitions in the sport and and you know for the rest of your Silat career. My one goal would be to just be able to retire at the top. Like never have that decline. I would say like when you decide to stop is because you want to, not because you have to. So I think that's something that I'm think about whenever I think about the end. And honestly, being already like essentially like twenty four years in Silat, it's it's a lot lah. So I would definitely would use that time also if I retire or when I retire to explore. No, but but there's something that's that's really uh i guess i think i think it weighs more on combat sport athletes more because when the decline comes the decline comes and and you really feel it you know like in boxing mma you can you can see the the, the guys who live at the top and the guys who who like you say you know when when they don't know when to leave or, or they, they still think they can do it and then they, you know they can't and the decline is is quite sad to see lah. so that's something that that you want to avoid lah, right yeah i want to that's why I think it's important like how in tune I have to be with my body and like for me every time like I would say my most importance is being healthy and being like zero injuries and even having injuries I'm like tackling that issue as soon as possible. So being able to just say oh I just want to stop and not because I have to like not somebody telling you that oh we don't really have any space for you anymore. (laughs) So to be able to say like I want to stop and then after that, maybe like, I wouldn't say ambitions, but try and like finally explore like maybe other interests that I have. And like, like yeah, now I think 24 years is a long time. So when I actually retire, it will be even longer. Yeah, I wouldn't say ambitions, but definitely uh, give myself the space to explore other things. All right. So, so let, I mean, let, let's put a pause on the talk about retirement uh, and, and just focus on yeah. <laughs> uh, the Hanoi Sea Games for now. We hope you... Uh, get that gold medal again and, and you know you do your, your best and, and perform at your best yeah. uh, and all the best uh, for the SEA Games in Hanoi Fahan yeah, thank you so much thank you for having me that was a podcast by The Straits Times send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.